when I was, when I was 16. Today is not only the culmination of the ending of many things, it is um, the ending of sort of my ministry in many ways, or the ministry in which I have done ministry. Now, I'll always be in ministry. I'm always going to be a follower of Jesus. I'll always be one of those folks who stands up for what is right. I, uh, my faith in Christ is strong, and I will continue to be in the church. And you may even see me around here from time to time, so you better watch out. And you better not mess up because, you know, I, I see you. I see you, and I'll be around. Um, but when I was 16 years old, I was sitting on a couch talking to my mom, and these words billowed up in my soul, those words and that simply said, it is time. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that something remarkable had happened. I knew something, something different was about me. I felt an energy, a lightning, a warmth all throughout my soul and my being, my body. I was put off guard. I felt so strange. But these words have never left me. These words of it is time. That, as I look back, was the moment that I was called into ministry, into this life of living for Jesus, of proclaiming these words of life. And it wasn't until later till I connected this. I was reading Hosea, and I read this, uh, this scripture, and I knew immediately that this is what that was about. This, it is time, is about what, what was going on here. And Hosea 10, 12 says this. It says, Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up the unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. This has been in many ways my mission statement, my calling to break up the fallow ground. It is work that is difficult. I, you will never hear me complain about being a pastor because I think being a pastor is a great gig. It is certainly not a hard job nor a hard life. There are literally mothers and fathers who walk from Guatemala to America in order to dig ditches, to clean homes 20 hours a day just to make a better life and a better future for their family. Like, like that is a hard life. Being a pastor is not a hard life. Even though sometimes you are torn emotionally, it, 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 it's, it's okay. And so I will never complain about the life of being a pastor. But it has its moments, especially when you're someone who is breaking up the hard ground. And that's what I have done for 20 years. I have been breaking up hard ground, hard hearts, hard souls. A lot of people, when you come out of seminary, when you go to, to, to div school or whatever, you come out and you're equipped to be a pastor who cares for people, who comforts people. I don't think that is the role of a pastor, and that certainly has not been my role, and y'all are like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. Which I'm not the best caregiver, I acknowledge that, but that's not what I'm called to do. My job is to strip you down of the lies that you have built your life on, to send you out into the wilderness with nothing, and say, Christ is out there. Go search. You will be shaken to your core. 
you will be shaken to your heart's deepest longings. But my job is to take from you what you have been given and send you out into a difficult space so that you can be given something different, something new, a new life. And that sort of role is a difficult sort of role, you know? It's not like it doesn't make me the, the most loved person in the world. It often sometimes makes a situation where people will leave the church. And I think it creates this dynamic where I think the future of the church probably is going to need to be in some sort of unpaid clergy situation to, because we probably need to get the money out because the money creates this dynamic where you think I work for you, where you think, right, and like I don't work for you. I work for Jesus. And that is the hard thing, this, war, this sort of dynamic relationship that we have together. But I think I, I long for a church that we didn't have money involved in it, where you just gave your money out into the, to the community, not to the church. Um, the, 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 um, the council right now is like, shut up, right? Like, <laughs> be quiet, Jason. <laughs> like, we want that, we need the money. Which, okay, you all understand what I'm saying, right? Of course. We need the money to upkeep this. But I just think the future of the church lies in some other space where pastors can be truth tellers, regardless of what that truth will bring about, regardless of what sort of pushback or feedback. We need truth tellers in our world. We need people who will say to others, that's not right over there. We can't treat that community this way. In the name of Jesus, we must be something different. In the name of Jesus, we must be a different sort of people who defend and protect the vulnerable and the marginalized. Today, I just have a few words. You're like, you've been talking for a while. That's right. That's what I do. You all know me. You've got three years with me. And, um, you know, when I, when I walked into this church, is it three years or four years ago? It's four years ago. When I walked into this church four years ago, things weren't going so well. And together, we have turned it upside down. We have created something new, a space. There were people who left along the way. There were many people who joined us on the way. But we have been able to create a new sort of community, a community of love, a community of grace. The whole building pretty much got remodeled. That's cool, right? And... Um, we, we, have, we have different situations and different ministries. It's been a beautiful time together, and I will miss you dearly more than you realize. I don't um, share many of my emotions with people. I keep things pretty close to the chest or the vest, so to speak. Um, but I am deeply sad today to say goodbye. But I want to leave you with some words. I want to leave you with some directions, so to speak, as you move into your new future. I know we don't like uncertainty, and we worry about, because our brains don't know what lies ahead. We know what this looks like, but we don't know what lies ahead. But the only way that we grow is to move into uncertainty. The only way that we become something that we're not right now is to move into spaces and places and, and interact with people that we don't understand, that we don't know, that we aren't assured of. Remember this, y'all, that as a community of Jesus, we are called to embrace, accept, and empower those who have been marginalized, those 
who have been pushed aside, those who other churches have said, you're not welcome here unless you change. We are called to be the space that says, come, we see the image of God on you, and we don't want to change that. Because God has put that on you, and we want to learn from you. We want to be part of what God is doing in your life. And this is the blessing of of engaging with people different from us, that we grow, that we grow, that we see people in a new way. And so church, open table, stand up. Those strong men that I talked about, I gave a sermon several weeks, several months ago, who knows when it was, it may have been a year ago, I don't know, about the strong man. The strong man, bind the strong men church you have power when you put yourselves together you have an incredible power to stand up for what is right and not only stand up for what is right but to stand in the gap for people that are being crushed that are being put down that are being denied you can bind the strong men of this world together you can stand up to the forces of injustice and say in the name of Jesus this shall not stand In the name of Jesus, we will stand in the way of our friends. We will stand in the way of this community and that community so that you, with your strength, cannot harm them. Remember to lift each other up, y'all. Don't put people down. Don't put people. Life is hard enough. Life is so hard. We get ground up under the wheels of just day-to-day life. People have so many desperate things happen to them that you never know about. Sometimes people's reactions are not always the best. But if you knew what was going on in their life, you'd understand. Have grace with people. Don't speak badly about anyone. Don't put anyone down. Don't speak negatively of each other. If you are in this space and you hear someone speak negatively about another person in this space, you stop them. Stop. No, stop. We're not going to do that. We're not that people. We're going to find the good. We're going to find the joy. We're going to find the love. And we're going to lift people up because life is so hard. We're going to recognize the good that someone has brought to us. And we're not going to put them down. Because, like, none of us are perfect. All of us make mistakes. All of us do things that are difficult. Lift people up, y'all. And not only people in here, but people out there. Lift them up everywhere. Everywhere. Break the hard soil. Be the people who plow the hard soil. I feel like this church in many ways, I was thinking about it this week, and, and, and I was reflecting on my time, and it is, it is difficult in, and to be in this space because in breaking up that hard ground, I feel like in some way it is like this church is sort of like building a house under the waterline. Like we, we live next to the sea, and well, it would probably be wise to build a house up on the mountain, right? But there's just not space there. And so what we have done in this church is we have hewn out the rock and we have built a house but in order to build a house under the sea line under the water line you need strong walls and you have to build those walls up and on every side you build walls 
to say we exist here. And this is not what people understand as church. This is not their experience. But it is the space that we occupy. And in order to have this sort of church, you have to have walls up. Walls from people, your, other churches that say you're wrong and you're no good. Other friends that say you're wrong and you're no good. Even forces of the denomination which don't understand this sort of dynamic. We build walls. And constantly those waves are crashing in. Crashing in on us. And those walls always require fixing. And we have to tend to those walls. And we have to fix the concrete. And we have to make sure that that water can't get in and flood us. Because they will destroy. And so we build those walls and we hold them. And in many ways, I feel like I have been a protector of the walls of this place. And I have had to keep out even forces that we think will be fine in here. That's not always the case. I am Methodist and I love the United Methodist Church, but from the beginning I said, no, this space needs to be different than just another United Methodist Church. When I saw in St. Louis, when the church and the bishops allowed from the stage, from the bottom and from, from the microphones, other Methodists to trash the LGBTQ community, and no one stopped it, I realized they're not strong enough to hold these walls. They were wrong, and I will never forgive them for that. For the trauma, I won't say I will never forgive them for that. Of course we forgive each other. We're followers of Jesus. But I recognize in that moment, they're not the ones that will protect the walls. They will protect their institution. Now, we can be Methodist, and I can be Methodist, and we can be a Methodist church. Just understand. Understand that you're going to need walls. You're going to need people to hold those up. Even from those who you think are good or like they mean good, you're going to have to hold up the walls. Because this space needs protecting. There are people in here who need a space where they know that they will be safe and protected no matter what. No matter what. That you can come to church and you will be defended. You will be safe. You will be secure. Now, it is my nature. I am a sort of warrior in nature. This is my nature. This is what I do. This is why some people love me and some people, well, don't. This is who I am. But now this is your job. This is your job, church, to be the protector of the walls. Because there are people in this space that need you to hold up those walls. We live in a world, unfortunately, where the church wants to assert its control in so many different ways. Wants to establish rules. Wants to make controls. And all that, in a sense, builds hierarchy. And hierarchy, in many ways, is antithetical to the Christian life. We are called to be a community of equals. If we have hierarchy, that means someone is elevated and someone is not elevated. That there is unbalance in the force, so to speak. We are called to be a community of equals around the table where we make decisions together, where we make 
Decisions about our future, about our present, about everything together. But the system of church, and I'm not talking about the UMC here, I'm talking about all church. Church seems to want to create a hierarchical system where there are those in charge and those are not. And there are moments where, say, a bishop, okay, a bishop is called to be what? I think if there's any justification for a bishop, then that bishop should go out into the world and stand on the walls of this world and proclaim justice. Proclaim justice in the halls of power, in the halls of the state legislation, in the state, in, the, in, in, in national congress, in our other churches that are not upholding justice, by churches that are pushing other people down. I believe if there's any rationale or justification for bishops, then it should be that they are entrusted by us to be our voices for justice out in the world. And they should work themselves out of a job. They should be the ones who work themselves out of a job. But it becomes a system of hierarchy where those in power use their power to maintain the status quo, to maintain the way that things are. And you can see why I'm not so liked everywhere, right? <laughs> In some spaces. But that's okay. But now this is your job. And some of you will embrace it and some of you will be like, oh, I'll lead this way from the background. Cool, great. But this is what we are. This is the spirit of open table. To be the people who are kind and compassionate. To be the people who lift each other up. But not only lift each other up. If there is somebody being stomped on out in the world, we are the ones to stand on the wall and say, enough is enough. This shall not stand in the name of Jesus. This must end. And we will use our power and our resources, our time and our talents in order to bring liberation to those who are under the hand of Pharaoh. This is the way of Jesus. This is what Jesus told us in this space of, of Luke 4, 18 and 19. This is Jesus' mission, which he stood up in the synagogue and said at the beginning of his ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of jubilee, the year of justice, the year of liberation for all those who are suffering from the hand of power. This is our job, church. And so I leave you with this today. This is your task. And you're thinking, gee, thanks, Jason. <laughs> Couldn't you just told us to clean the floor? <laughs> you can do that too. <laughs> well, there's some bathrooms back there. <laughs> this is your task. And I hope, I hope that in some way, even as, as, as I have gone through difficulties, I hope in some way you will look back upon me and say that I helped you be something. That I helped you Maybe be more human, maybe more compassionate, maybe more bold. I hope that in some way you will look back upon me with favor. But ultimately, as you look back upon me in your life, that you will remember that I loved you, that you were loved, that you are 
were and always will be the beloved of God, no matter what. And so this church now, I give it to you. I know you have a new pastor coming, Sarah. She seems like a wonderful person. Yes, she's a little bit young, but we were all young, right, at one time. And young folks can be great leaders, people that we need to hear from, people that we can learn from, people that can lead us in a boldness in a new way. And so this is what the Spirit has done here. So I ask you, support her, encourage her, bless her, listen to her, and journey with her as she journeys with you in this beautiful, incredible, spirit-filled community of faith and grace because that's what you are. This church is not about me, and it won't be about her. This church is about you, and this church is about your mission to the world, a mission of love, a mission of grace, a mission of justice. Let's take communion one last time together.